millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio, Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers on TalkSport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Paid off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers. Lana Clellan striking from outside the penalty area. World-beating big match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scored. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. It was a weekend packed full of fixtures and big games at big stadiums in the Barclays FAWSL and Women's Championship. And history was made at Old Trafford as this teenager became the first Manchester United women's player to score at the Theatre of Dreams. Lifted in, attacked by Turner. And the glance on inside the area, it's Lauren James who gets the touch. And United have their breakthrough. 19-year-old Lauren James. Arsenal came out on top in the North London derby at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. In it comes, a medium bar into the roof of the net. Well, that is a sumptuous finish from Viviana Miedemar. And Leicester City take one step closer to the WSL after a win against Coventry United. They're now just three points away from seeing promotion. It's been pulled back and a chance for Flint to score. She's been out of the side recently and sitting on the bench, but she gets a start today and it could be a big goal. All that, plus we preview the huge quarter-final second legs to come in the Women's Champions League and we'll hear from Manchester City's Megan Campbell. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Hi, I'm Georgia Stanway and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Hello team, how are you all doing? So, Grassroots Football's back today. Who's booked their slot? Who's played already? Hopefully you've had a chance to get out there and kick a ball about or at some point this week are returning to action. Um, I've got some cracking guests as always for you. Claire Rafferty, former England and Chelsea defender, now commercial manager and Lewis FC board member. Now then, missus, we've missed you. It's been far too long. How are you doing? 
Hello, good evening everyone. You know, it's funny you say that about uh, getting back to playing grassroots. I'm currently sat in my car with my full kit on, ready for my five-a-side. My first five-a-side back that kicks off at seven, so this better end at sharp at seven o'clock, otherwise I'll be late. <laughs> You've put me on the, on the spot there, haven't you? What if I go like 30 <laughs> seconds over? She's going to be out there. <laughs> I'll get a fine, I'll get a fine, that's what it is. Brilliant, love it. Amy Rushke from Goal. Um, have you got your session booked in or are you still kind of thinking maybe you'll get on the pitch at Old Trafford one day? I um, No, I played tennis this morning and it's funny because I haven't got any worse because I can't get any worse of a lockdown. So just as bad <laughs> as I was when it started, yeah. I'm looking forward to getting back on the netball court for sure. Um, I hope all of you out there have, have managed to get something booked in soon. We've certainly missed it, haven't we? Uh, right, listen, we're going to go straight into things because we've got more exciting news this week. A second-tier women's European club competition could be in the pipeline, as well as a potential women's club World Cup. This is all part of the first ever women's football strategy, which was published this week by the European Club Association. And friend of the show, Claire Bloomfield, joined us now to discuss this uh, you obviously haven't heard Claire on Women's Football Weekly for quite a while now because she became head of women's football at the ECA and has been working tirelessly on this strategy how are you doing Claire? Hi Faye thank you very much for having me it, it's great to be back only this time I'm joining you from a, a very sunny Switzerland Oh, don't tell us that. Although it has been sunny in London today, which has been absolutely delightful, believe me. Um, we've missed you, as we've missed Claire Rafferty, who's dissed us recently, been far too busy uh, to come on and chat with us. But you've been busy doing this amazing strategy. Can you just tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, of course. Um, as you say, this is uh, ECA's first ever strategy for the women's game. And it sets out a really ambitious roadmap for the development of women's club football through six strategic goals. And Together with our clubs, we feel like these are the really crucial foundations needed in order to achieve the vision for women's football that we're committed to working towards. So sort of in summary, they, they cover things like driving a sustainable future for the game and with a focus really on, on youth and player pathways, um, producing first-of-its-kind research, so specifically across high performance and, and medical topics, and as you've mentioned, also uh, realising European amb ambition. So through the development of, of the competition landscape, as, as you mentioned earlier. Hi, Claire, it's, it's Amy. Um, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, putting the strategy together. Obviously, you represent the clubs around Europe. What has it been like working with the clubs and individuals at the clubs for feedback? You know, Emma Hayes is in the strategy, among others. What, what was that process like? It's, it's been um, a fantastic process from, from start to finish. Um, you know, there is enormous enthusiasm between clubs, uh, to work together and learn from each other and also amongst the stakeholders, so UEFA, FIFA, FIFA Pro and you know, the others that we work closely with. Um, you know, but one of the things that I love about working women's football is this sense of being very competitive on the pitch and very collaborative off it. And that's something I've really, uh, I've really felt throughout this whole process. I mean, ultimately, we all want the same thing for the women's game. Of course, we sometimes might take different routes to get there. But ultimately, we all want the game to have this big, bright and sustainable future. And the enthusiasm to, to be on board with this project has, has been fantastic. And, you know, the strategy is backed by uh, our executive board and our women's football uh, committee, which is chaired by the Lyon president, Jean-Michel Aulas. And, I mean, given his credentials in the women's game, who better to, to guide us through this process? Um, Claire, Claire Rafty here, just jumping in. Um, 
just from my angle of side of things, I, I don't really know a great deal about the ECA. Um, could you explain a little bit more about kind of the day to day? And obviously, this is the first women's strategy. Um, but, you know, is, is it a governing body? Like, how, how's, how's the funding? Um, how, how is it expected to fund a strategy? Well, the ECA is the sole independent body directly representing football clubs at European level. So the voice of the clubs, if you like. Uh, we're the only organisation recognised by FIFA and UEFA as re- representing clubs and the only body which clubs are represented in their respective decision-making body. Um, now, whilst I might be the only one at ECA with women's football in the, t- in the title, um, very much kind of the day-to-day business is, is being dealt with right across the organisation. So, you know, whether that be a competition element, a commercial topic, a regulatory uh, decision... Um, the whole organisation is working towards women football in, in some way, and it's great to have this very varied um, expertise applied to the challenges that we face in, in the women's game and, and then working to tackle them. Um, I know we often talk about the importance of male allies, and I have to say I'm fortunate enough to have them in abundance at ECA, both in the team and at board level. It's really interesting you say that, uh, Claire, because uh, as Raf said, I don't think that many people know the work that, that the ECA is doing. And what kind of support, extra support, does it need to achieve this strategy? Well, as I said, the strategy is, is backed by the executive board and, and our women's uh, football committee. Um, and, and this enormous enthusiasm between the clubs and uh, the stakeholders is, is just incredibly important to, to helping this be a success. And, you know, there is always this overarching commitment to work together and, and reach the best possible outcomes for women's football. Um, but, you know, something that was very encouraging is, is just the enthusiasm that from, you know, the top down uh, throughout ECA to, to make this project a success and not only for it to be a one-off project, but this is a long-term strategic commitment to, to the women's game and, and its progression. That, that's not the only support you've got because earlier on today we heard from Chelsea captain Magdalena Eriksson on what she thought about the proposed addition of a second tier European competition and a club World Cup. Have a listen to this. No, I think it's really good. I think the more visibility the women's game can get, the better. That's that's why we uh, it's starting to get more and more talked about uh, women's football now. Is because we you can see us, you can see us on TV, you can follow us easier. Uh, so definitely anything that's created that gives us more visibility is a, is a plus for me. And, and the Champions League is becoming very um, exclusive. So having something more than that, I think uh, it would benefit the game. So obviously that was Magdalena Eriksson, the Chelsea captain, by the way. Obviously the headline grabber is uh, the second tier European competition. What are the kind of proposed timelines uh, for that? And what's the impact going to be on clubs of the kind of forthcoming uh, Champions League group stages that we know that are coming? Well, we obviously have a responsibility to explore all of the possible options which could potentially provide clubs with the opportunity to play more relevant games in Europe and which could further develop the women's game. And, you know, as part of this ambitious two-year plan, we've set out to table very detailed proposals, both for the second-tier competition and the Club World Cup, as well as continuing to build on the most recent reforms of the Champions League, as, as you said. But, however, I think it's really important to note that this is only a commitment to review and assess possible competitions. So no decision would be taken on whether this was the right step for the women's game, until all of the appropriate analysis and consultation has taken place, both with you know, the member clubs, UEFA and FIFA, etc. So, you know, even then, 
the analysis would need to point towards these competitions being the right step forward for women's football before we could even consider any next steps. Um, but obviously, you know, it's great to hear there's enthusiasm um, out there already uh, on, on the back of the launch of today's strategy. So how long is that kind of consultation going to take? It's really difficult to say at this point. As I say, it's a, this is a two-year strategy. Uh, there is a lot to cram in in two years. You know, now it's really time to roll up our sleeves and, and deliver on all of this work. Um, so it would be difficult to put a time frame on that. But as I said, I think what's really important is that this is, is a commitment to review and assess these possible new opportunities. Because what we want is, is you know, for the women's competition landscape to, to grow and be more attractive and, uh, and continue to, to be very visible. Brilliant stuff. Claire Bloomfield, always a pleasure to chat and catch up, especially to find out all the amazing work you've been doing over there in Switzerland. Take care and speak to you soon. Thanks very much, Fair. Wonderful. Head of women's football at the European Club Association, Claire Bloomfield there. Um, what did you make of that, Raf? Um, you know, I think the strategy, uh, you know, the actual kind of the, the drive to re- to review the, the current structure of European football is such a positive step forward. Um, the fact they didn't have a strategy before, now they do. I mean, it's all, you know, a step in the right direction. Um, the biggest thing for me is that when I was reading up on this, it was very much highlighting the fact that in the women's game, there is more potential to quickly develop more of a competitive balance. You know, if we suddenly pulled out a, a different, an, another European league in the men's game, the kind of the, the, the gap between the top and bottom is, is too, too big at the moment. Um, mm. And in the women's game, it is increasing. But I think if we create something like this, it might give um, smaller teams or teams that, that are growing um, the potential to, to, to fill that gap. I suppose from my point of view, I'm looking at it in terms of the money um, and, you know, at, at the moment in the existing structure that we have, particularly uh, here in the UK, you know, we, we have a split league further down purely because of, of the costs involved in travel. And I wonder with a, a secondary European competition for, for smaller teams, whether that might be a problem, Amy. Yeah, and I mean, I was on the call with when they launched this um, the other day, and and to be fair, when when they actually spoke, the the CEO Charlie Marshall was on there, and he had this quite a you know that's a phrase of balancing the pace with potential, um, because there was a question about you know what we're going to do with with some of these clubs that are struggling in the Champions League to fund, you know, flying across the continent, and what we're going to do with clubs that are potentially less funded by them. So, um, you know, I think they recognise that. Um, you know, it's it is a big thing and it is a big step, but you know they are you know they're not ignorant to that and they're not you know thinking too far ahead. I think it, it does seem to be quite well thought out and they're very aware of the challenges, but they're very you know got a great attitude and an approach to to how to get there. Yeah, they've got a realism about about it, which you would expect from Claire Bloomfield. We all know her very well and uh, and she's very diligent in her work. So uh, it's fantastic news uh, from the European Club Association for sure. Uh, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Ruthers alongside former Chelsea defender Claire Rafferty and Amy Rushke from Goal.com. Coming up, we're going to be talking through the weekend's Barclays FAWSL action. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Ruthers on TalkSport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others, 
World Cup bronze medalist Claire Rafferty and Amy Rushke from Goal. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app so you can download it today. Now then, it was a big weekend of WSL and Championship matches with every game across the weekend being shown online, on TV or on the FA Player. Here's what happened. United corner, lifted in, attacked by Turner. And the blocks on inside the area, it's Lauren James who gets the touch and United have their breakthrough. 19-year-old Lauren James. United continue here with Gronin. Feels the tug on her shirt from behind but continues. Slips it into the penalty area, brilliant from United. And it's Kristen Press to score again against West Ham. And it comes and lead and par into the roof of the net. Well, that is a sumptuous finish from Viviana Miedemar. Here is Hemp. Skips past Liner and James as well. Hemp still going. This will be a fabulous goal. And it is in the back of the net. The work done by Lauren Hemp. And finished off in the centre from close range. And Manchester City finally do have their late breakthrough. And what a huge goal that could be in the title race. We're making a habit recently of, of leaving it late, but um, and we'd like to put the game to bed a little bit sooner. But I have to give full credit to the players for the way they managed the game. Uh, and because the anxiety levels start to rise a little bit when the chances aren't going in. Is Hamilton look for more goals? And they've got to get more! And it's going to be a first hat-trick for Everton for Hayley Razzo. Well, that might be it. It is into Sam Kerr, whose header breaks the deadlock. 23 minutes gone. And Emma Hayes' team ahead. Inspired again by the golden duo of Kirby and Kerr. Chelsea go top two points clear of Manchester City. So, we're going to start off at Old Trafford because... Manchester United beat West Ham United 2-0 and it was a historic day for Manchester United women playing their first ever game at the Theatre of Dreams. Seemed a little bit though, uh, Amy Rushke, as if they were overwhelmed by the occasion in the first half, perhaps. I think they've had a, a difficult you know, year since you know, since the turn of the year. They, they obviously have, have fallen off the pace a little bit. They were, they were top of the league at one point and you know, now they're... They're struggling to well. They're trying to battle for that for that Champions League place after losing to Arsenal. So I think, you know, it is one of those where you know maybe there were a few nerves knowing that they needed to win this game and they need to keep matching Arsenal's results. But yeah, I think I think they'll just be pleased that they got the job done in the end to keep the heat on. Mm, um, Claire Rafferty, Casey Stoney said that they played some of their worst football all season in the first half, sloppy in possession as well. She said she'd had to have words with her team at half time and probably couldn't repeat exactly what it was that, that she'd said to him. But that they came good in the end, didn't they? But I mean, I suppose when you've waited for something for such a long time, and I remember hearing what Casey Stoney had to say about the fact that they were going to be playing at Old Trafford and she knew there were not going to be fans there. And so it kind of took the shine off the occasion. But at the same time, they had to do it when they were offered it. And and perhaps that maybe got to them. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think yeah, perhaps a little bit of an anticlimax. Obviously, you know, your first thought of playing at Old Trafford is hearing all them thousands of fans scream your name. Um, unfortunately, that they, they missed out on that opportunity because of the COVID situation. Um, but I think off the back of it, like the first and foremost, it doesn't matter where this team are playing or any team in this league. I know Casey in particular. I know what she's like, and she will be de- demanding high standards matter where they're playing um so i think she will be disappointed um of the case of being overwhelmed for some of the players there's, there's a lot of experience in that team so I, w- I wouldn't expect that to be the case yeah they do have some young stars coming through but you know like jackie Grodin, she's played in in euro, euro finals um so you wouldn't expect them to be overwhelmed but yeah i think i wouldn't like to be in that change room at half time i mean <laughs> to be on the end of one of casey's telling off well, listen, it worked, didn't it? Because they came out flying in the second half. Lauren James heading in United's first ever goal at Old Trafford in the 49th minute. Kristen Press adding a second just a few minutes later. So it leaves United in third place and three points clear of Arsenal. But of course, Arsenal have a game in hand and have a much better goal difference as well. Uh, both managers have plenty to say after the game about their side's performances, as we've heard. But for West Ham manager Oli Harder, it was a day to savour despite the defeat. For somebody who grew up at the bottom of the world, um, only seeing uh, Old Trafford on the telly, probably to say that it's a dream to come here and coach is, is not even true because you wouldn't even dream it because it's not real when you're living in New Zealand. So, um, no, fantastic. Look, a fantastic occasion for myself personally, but more more importantly for the girls to have the opportunity to come here and play in what's arguably one of the, the, the most historic stadiums in the world or venues in the world. It's just uh, fantastic. Players know when they're not good enough, but it just, I was like, if you want to qualify for the Champions League, you need to play at Champions League standards. And we weren't. We were sloppy, slow. We were playing for ourselves uh, rather than playing for the team, making poor decisions. Uh, and then when we started playing as a collective again in the second half, we were better. Was it the occasion? I don't know. Uh, but it, for me, it's a grass pitch and we should be better. I love the fact that Casey Stoney sounds like the losing manager and Ollie Harder sounds like the winning manager in that, Amy. Yeah, I think that's just that kind of shows the standards that that Casey Stoney sets. Um, do you know she's she's such a, and the thing is as well is that, do you know they they're kind of you have to remember that where they are, do you know they're only three mm. years into existence, but the fact that Casey Stoney has those kind of aspirations and expectations of her at this age and do you know of her already in her coaching career speaks wonders of the kind of person and, and the kind of manager that she is and that she'll be go on to become. West Ham have got to start picking up some some points, though, Claire, haven't they? Because they're bottom of the table, albeit with two games in hand over Bristol City. But it's not really clicking under Ollie Harder just yet. Yeah, and I think I'm quite disappointed with that response as well. Um, as you say, that you'd, you'd think Casey was the one who'd quite walked away from losing mm. that game. I think, you know, West Ham set high standards. Having been there myself for a season, I know exactly what is implemented at the club and I think they'll be very disappointed they've got some good players they're just not they're just not producing there's, there's no consistency um, it looks I know this is going to be sound a bit harsh but I think it does look like they probably would have been better sticking with Matt Beard considering how well he's doing at Bristol now mm, yeah definitely definitely uh, right North London derby Tottenham nil Arsenal three it was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and Arsenal kind of controlled this game literally from the first minute um, Caitlin Ford opening the scoring, her 10th goal of the season, but Miedemar's goal, arguably the goal of the weekend, Amy. 
Yeah, and I mean, she's just unbelievable. I don't think there's anything else that we can say about Miedemar, <laughs> is there? I mean, we, we talk about her every week and she's doing things like this. I mean, when they played Spurs earlier this season, it's when she broke the record for most goals in the WSL. So, you know, she's really starting to enjoy these North London derbies, I think. Claire, if you were going to nail your colours to the mast and pick Arsenal or Manchester United to finish in that third Champions League qualifying place, who would you go for? Um, I would go for United, I think. Um, I know that they're, they're still in fourth, obviously, with three points adrift from United, but I just do think... I know Arsenal have picked up a little bit of the form. Um, I think they had something like 26 efforts on goal in that game mm. against Tottenham. So they are getting back to best. But I, I do think that United, the way that Casey puts her teams together um, and the messages she's installed, for me, um, they're probably the ones with a little bit more grit. Yeah, just a shout out for Katie McCabe as well, because uh, Miedemar's volley came from a McCabe corner and then she got on the score sheet herself as well. Uh, right, Manchester City nil, Reading 1. City leaving it really late to grab all three points uh, and briefly, very briefly, uh, go top of the uh, WSL ta um, table, less than 12 hours. Um, but it was a moment of brilliance from none other than Lauren Hemp, who went past four Reading players uh, to set up Chloe Kelly. Um, Manchester City managed Gareth Taylor, Amy, full of praise for Lauren Hemp afterwards, calling her a top talent, incredibly brave, wanting the ball in all situations, not hiding. He said she danced her way through. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary and then went past four players and then produced a great decision, um, which was to pass it to, to, to Chloe Kelly. And he said he's spoken a lot with the players about their decision-making and the decision she made and quality she showed to put it on a plate was absolutely top class. And I think he really sums it up there because she's just been revelationary this season. Yeah, and I think what's really sad is that we obviously missed her for a lot of the season because she got injured in the Community Shield and I don't think she came back until something like December. Um and, you know, you're talking there about her decision-making being top class. She's 20 years old. Normally Crazy. when players are 20 years old, you're going, oh, they can work on their decision-making. It's something that will come with experience. Like, she's got that already. And, I mean, 
She's ter- turned up on big occasions before. Obviously, her first England start was against the US in the She Believes last year, and she was the best player on the pitch. And, you know, I just think it's crazy to think she's 20 and you just you wonder what, in, you know, three years' time, five years' time, how good can she be? Oh, it's exciting. Uh, so Manchester City stays second. They're two points behind Chelsea. Four games to go now. I can't believe how quickly this season is is disappearing. Do you think they can ch- they can catch Chelsea? Oh, I can't believe I'm about to ask Claire Rafferty this. Do you think they can catch Chelsea? Claire Rafferty, former Chelsea Come defender. <laughs> Come on, Faye. I can't say anything other than... Uh, I, look, if I'm being honest, I don't think they can. Um, only just because at the beginning of the season... They just got missed out on a few points for me. And I think mm. Chelsea picked up um, a little bit of form. Look, I think City reacted, obviously, after losing to Barcelona. And, they, you know, they're still in everything. And look, also, when you look at the squad, you know, Lucy Brons, Callum Weir, Roosevelt, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? So, but, uh, you know, I, I, I can't be said, seen to be saying anything other than Chelsea, can I now? So. <laughs> of course you can't. Of course you can't. Uh, this is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. You've just been hearing the thoughts of former England and Chelsea defender Claire Rafferty and Amy Rushke from Goal. I'm Faker Others. And next up, we're going to be talking through more of the weekend's action. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others and keeping you company with me is Lewis FC board member Claire Rafferty and Amy Rushke from Goal. Now then, massive game at the bottom of the WSL yesterday. Finished Birmingham City 1. Bristol City won. Not really an ideal result for either manager, Claire Rafferty, but it was an extremely open game. Both sides had plenty of good chances. Uh, Bristol City taking the lead through Charlie Wellings, um, but Christy Murray um, equalising in the second half. I mean, Bristol City still without an away win this season, which which is a problem. But but as you were saying earlier on, Matt Beard has really turned this team around and they seem to be playing with some confidence now. Yeah, you know, I, I really do feel like he's galvanised that team. They're, they are fighting for their lives, aren't they? Um, down the bottom of the table there. Um, and actually, when you look at it, I think they've got Arsenal up next as well. So they've got some tough tough games coming up but you know what he has done is what he, he always does do is really organize a team they're very um, stubborn defensively um, they, they've had a few key standout players like Ebony Salmon who, who've really kind of led from the front um, and I, I think I think he, he spoke quite a lot about the team spirit there and when you're in a relegation battle that's exactly what you need. Yeah it really is and it, obviously he, he managed you when you were at at West Ham, what is it about his management style that perhaps has come in and and managed to to, to sort this team out in a way? Yeah, you know, he, he's quite vocal. Um, he's quite an emotional guy, so you know he'd be very honest and upfront. Um, and he, he's very diligent in, in returns of, of detail. So you know, we've been making sure all the players know exactly what they need to be doing. You know, the process of, of a week will be very much in you know set pieces, defensive attacking, um, patterns of play, how they want to beat that team, what the strengths and weaknesses are of that team, and he'll make sure he runs through all of these details in order to prepare the team as best as possible. Yeah, it's really interesting, Amy, when, when you look at the table, I mean, Carla Ward will be delighted uh, with the equaliser that, that Birmingham got. That gives them 13 points now. They have a game in hand over Bristol City. When you look at it, they're four points um, above West Ham, who've got a game in hand over them. Do, do you think that they're pretty much safe, Birmingham, now? 
I mean, I think when you see the kind of moment of quality that, that Christian Murray brings out for that equaliser, you look at some of the players in that team that can do things like that and you think, you know, they should be okay. Um, I think they had a really good point during the season where they were doing really well and they've shown that they can they can stay up. And I think Carla Ward's, you know, worked miracles there because you think about where they were at the beginning of the season um, when she came in. There was only a few weeks till the season started and they had eight players so the mm. fact that they are in ninth place is is a you know an unbelievable job so far in itself. I'm looking at the table now, and I mean you wouldn't want to call it, would you? No, definitely not. I mean we spoke to Carla Ward last week on Women's Football Weekly, and you know she, she said it's been it's been really tough, really tough doing doing what she's done this season. But if you look at it from a positive way, if she can manage like that in those kind of circumstances and everything that she's had to deal with this season. There's a top job with her name on it, surely. Yeah, and I mean, I've spoken to some of the players at Birmingham and, and the kind of the environment that she's helped create. And, you know, at the beginning, she only had eight players and, you know, she got them into, you know, kind of fighting for each other more than they had been before. And she's kind of just added bits and pieces to it around it to, to create this team that's been able to defy odds because... At the beginning of the season, if you were to pin most people down and say who's going to get relegated, you're looking at the team that's only just appointed a manager two weeks ago and has only got yeah. eight players. So, yeah, I mean, she's done a fantastic job. And, yeah, it's just a testament to kind of her, but also, you know, the players around her as well and, and what they've done. Yeah, and particularly with Aston Villa coming into the league uh, this season, they're three points above uh, their rivals, uh, which will please them. And Aston Villa uh, defeated again, this time by by Chelsea, a 2-0 win. Uh, Pretty rudimentary, really, in the end. Um, They obviously regained top spot after City had briefly taken over after their victory on, on Saturday night. Sam Kerr and Fran Kirby discuss Claire Rafferty. Oh, they're creating, causing absolute havoc, aren't they? Um, I think I was reading the MAs was comparing them to York and Cole, that kind of deadly combo. <laughs> Love it up top. Um, I think, I think you know what they're they're, they're complementing each other, aren't they? It's not just about one assisting the other; they're both uh, assisting each other. Um, and it seems like they've really clicked in that position. We were talking the season before about Beth and Samka having the same kind of chemistry but I, I think you know the qualities all around the pitch like that it, it's it does start from the back as well so a lot of the credit will go through through the spine of the team the poles who, who you know pulls the strings g so Yun who you know really does ignite a bit of energy as well in that midfield um and i think yeah they're the ones who, who are the shining shining stars aren't they at the moment and, and long may they keep it up Listen, I've got to give you some stats. I'm not normally a stat fan necessarily, but this is amazing. Kerr and Kirby have been involved in 39 Barclays FAWSL goals this season. Kerr with 13 goals and six assists and Kirby with 12 goals and eight assists. And those are some fantastic numbers, Amy. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about Kirby's story all season, haven't we? Do you know, But it's amazing what she's done this season, given what she's been through. Um, has been absolutely amazing. And it's great to see Kerr latch onto her because when Kerr was at Chicago uh, before, she, she struck up a really good partnership with um, Nagasato, and, um, who used to play for Chelsea herself, but they had a really great partnership and they were fantastic and they led Chicago to the, the NWSL final. And, you know, it's nice to see, like you say, that they had that kind of partnership with Beth England last year. And, you know, this year she seems to have latched onto Kirby and it's, I mean, they were, we're run out of words to describe it. It's, they've been fantastic together. 
and the amount of of actual chances that Sam Kerr gets and doesn't bury as well. I mean, her stats could just be phenomenal, couldn't they? She's been such a fantastic addition uh, to Emma Hayes' side. It's been a, an absolute pleasure to watch her. It was a pleasure to watch Everton at the weekend as well. Uh, five nil winners over Brighton and Hove Albion. That was Brighton's record four-game winning streak coming to an end. And what a hat-trick performance from Hayley Rasso, Claire. Yeah, you, you don't see Brighton uh, really concede that many goals, like, especially the way Hope sets her teams up. Um, but I think, yeah, it's a testament to, to Rasso. It was her first hat-trick in the, in the WSL and she was running riot, wasn't she? Um, I think, you know, the, I think it was the first goal, which was a solo run where she beat, I think, four or five Brighton players to, to slot it in the right-hand corner. And I think, yeah, Everton have showed so much promise, haven't they, in, in glimpses. But I think the consistency has been a bit lacking and you could say... The same for Brighton in, in, in some parts of the season, but 5 0, I think it's quite a statement, really, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Everton fifth. I mean, I'm sure Willie Kirk is going to be ruining that period just after Christmas. Uh, I mean, they, they had so many injuries. I talk about it every week, but Valerie Govan in particular, a massive miss uh, when she doesn't play for, for Everton. And, you know, when they had that, that raft of injuries, they really, really struggled because actually I did think that we were finally looking at like a top five rather than, you know, we've had a top two, top three for so long. Um, Manchester United throw themselves into the mix and it's a top four but I really thought Everton were pushing pushing for that as well and it just wasn't to be in the end but Everton in fifth on 28 points and Brighton at sixth in 21 it's definitely starting to get a little bit more competitive Amy. Yeah and I mean I think Everton is a, is a strange one this season I think before that that FA Cup final you know everybody was looking at them and going oh you know they could really be up there and they had some really devastating injuries like you say with Govan but I mean, Ricky Sebecki, the uh, the centre back that they brought in in the summers, was had an amazing first half of the season. I remember being at the Man City Everton game when she was missing, and they just missed her so much in that centre back position, and they just seemed to suffer so many injuries. And I think, you know, it, I'd really love to to kind of almost like video games simulate the season for Everton without those injuries and and see where they'd kind of land because they were in such a kind of they were in great form and they were playing great football. And like you say, it really looked like they could be right up there. Um, it's a shame that they got hit with them. It'd have been really nice to see it play out. Yeah, it certainly would have done. Listen, the championship's been getting very, very tasty, but we're very close to potentially Leicester City joining the Barclays FA WSL. Big results this weekend, and they all came at the top of the table. Durham will be devastated with their one-all draw with Sheffield United in the end. I know one of our regular listeners, Derek Purcell, massive Durham fan, will be bitterly disappointed that they've not pushed Leicester a little bit further. It's not over yet, but Leicester's 2-0 win over Coventry United means that they can secure promotion if they beat London City next weekend. However, you know, gets a little bit interesting. London City are actually the only side that uh, Leicester have lost to this season, Amy. Yeah, and even after that, um, not just saying it because Claire's on here, but they've got Lewis as well, um, who have taken points off Durham um, and, you know, they've taken points off Liverpool this season. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's like you say, it's it's not over yet, but, um, you know, if they can keep up the form, I mean, they've they've not lost since that, obviously, that, that London City game that you said, and that was in November. They've won every other championship game since then. So you kind of put your money on them getting over the line, but, you know, you never know, and there might be a few twists and turns yet. 
Yeah, will they be a welcome addition to the Barclays FAWSL, Raf? Yeah, I think they they've you know they've got a long history, haven't they? Uh, I mean, women's football and football in general. I think it's you know the, the championship has been very competitive, and and thanks for the little shout out there for Lewis. But they've, been, they've you know they've really had some great performances recently as well. Um, and I think every team in that league is really kind of you know stepping forward and trying to keep up with the pack almost, so to speak. Um, and and I think the likes of Leicester. I'd welcome them. I think the more clubs, the better. I'm I'm one for expanding the league, so um, Mm. yeah, the the more the better for me. Yeah, definitely. And it was a great 2-1 win for Lewis over London Bees this weekend as well. London City drew 0-0 with Charlton and Liverpool won all draw uh, with Blackburn, which leaves the table like this. Leicester City on 44 uh, points with um, on having played 17 games. Durham having played a game more on 39 points, uh, five behind them. Liverpool off the pace, 32 points, having played 17 as well. London Bees currently at the bottom of the table with eight points. Right, this is uh, Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others alongside former Chelsea defender Claire Rafferty and Amy Rushke from Goal and next up we're going to be chatting Champions League and hearing from Manchester City's Megan Campbell. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the home for women's football. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. With me, Faker Rothers, alongside former Lioness Claire Rafferty and Amy Rushke from Goal. Don't forget, if you miss any of the show, you can catch up by downloading the TalkSport app and subscribing to our podcast. Just search for Women's Football Weekly. Now then, uh, the Women's Champions League quarterfinal second legs, both on BT Sport this week. Wolfsburg, Chelsea. 1pm. Is it Wednesday or Tuesday? I can't even remember. Isn't that awful? Um, And then Manchester City, Barcelona at four o'clock. Barcelona leading that tie uh, 3-0. Wednesday, I've been reliably informed by producer Flo. Thank you very much. I had a feeling it was Wednesday, but I've got my head in in England mode ahead of the World Cup qualifiers. Um, Let's hear from Emma Hayes, shall we? Because she uh, told TalkSport earlier on today that her side are prepared, but playing in Europe is always an unpredictable challenge. It's so unpredictable. The first thing is like, no, I've never, ever been in Europe where two games are the same. So I don't know what's going to happen. What I know is that we are ready to perform and that everybody understands what they have to do, when they have to do it um, and how we have to be better than we were in the first leg. That I know. Then it's about them when they cross the right white line, which player is is going to deliver the fatal blow. And that doesn't always have to be by scoring goals because Anne certainly delivered that in the first leg. <clears throat> but I think of all of the players as big players, so it's just which one's going to do it and at which point. But we're confident. That was Chelsea manager Emma Hayes talking to TalkSport earlier on today. Of course, she was talking about Akhantrin Berger there, um, Chelsea's goalkeeper. Uh, former Chelsea defender Claire Rafferty is with us tonight. And what did you make of that first leg, Raf? And and how confident are you ahead of the second leg on Wednesday? Yeah, you know what? I think Chelsea um, have room for improvement, actually, after the first leg. Wolfsburg 
were wasteful, I think, with some of their, their opportunities. Um, but I think, as Emma will always reiterate, is that that first leg is always about just staying in it and staying competitive. Um, you know, there's, there's no home ground, obviously, because it's played in neutral neutral stadium. Um, but I think they, they did manage to get that away goal. So, um, it's, you know, Wolfsburg, they give me nightmares, to be honest, when I think about them. We've, we've never, <laughs> when I was playing, we've never, we've never been able to beat them. Um, but I think what, what they have the potential to, Chelsea still, is to improve. And they've gone in winning the game. So they're, they're in a really good position. As, as Emma said, they're confident. So I've got every faith in them. Yeah, one side not in such a good position. And Manchester City, though, Amy, I couldn't believe 600,000 people watched uh, the first leg on Barca TV, which was incredible. I know there was a lot of debate over whether or not the Manchester United uh, game at the weekend against West Ham, uh, first ones we played at Old Trafford, should have been on MUTV and perhaps they'd have got a big audience. But certainly Barca TV got a massive audience uh, for this. But Man City have it all to do. Yeah, I think the Barca TV subscribers will have enjoyed it a lot more than um, if you'd have put it on Man City TV, really, wouldn't they? Um, <laughs> Definitely. But they were Barcelona are such a good team, and you know they've they've kind of been there or thereabouts. You know they've they've tried their best to kind of bridge the gap, and you know they've only been in one Champions League final, and this was kind of a performance that was such a statement performance. Um, Man City, you know, Gareth Taylor said that he's he's confident and he thinks that his team can overturn it. And, you know, you look at the goals they've scored this season, you look at the times when they've battered teams and, and put so many so many goals in, but it's going to be so difficult, especially, you know, they're going to have to keep a clean sheet against this Barcelona team that were absolutely relentless and, and are just so good. It's going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough task, but we've seen plenty of Champions League comebacks over the years and, you don't really want to put your hat on saying that you know they don't have a chance at all because because of how unpredictable this this tournament can be. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. Uh, now, listen, on Women's Football Weekly, we always like to pick a person, a club, organisation or an event from the world of women's football to shine our spotlight on. And this week, uh, TalkSport's Bradley Hayden has been speaking to Manchester City's Megan Campbell. She's not talking about the Champions League, but she is talking about her determination to come back from a long-term injury. I feel like I'm the type of person that not rushes everything, but is so determined to go, go, go. And I think in the past, it's not it's not set me up for success. And so this time around, I'm like, OK, you know, I'm 27. I don't have that long left to play football. I've been injured multiple times, which the body can, you know, it's feeling it. Um, so I need to just be sensible and, and take it day by day and week by week rather than putting an actual timeline on it. Yeah, I mean, I mean... On on the injury front as well. I mean, you had had the big one last year, which ruled you out for a, for a long period of time. Then, as you said, got back in and around things around December. Then had a setback again. I mean, just how frustrating has this last year been to you, both mentally and physically too? Yeah, I think um, the previous injury when I tore the tendon off the ankle um, was nearly career ending. That I remember the. The surgeon came in and said, Megan, you may, you know, you may never play professional football again. And, you know, it was, it was quite tough to take, but I was determined to prove them all wrong. And so when I came back and everything was going really well, at my ankle, I was like buzzing. OK, I'm back in now, back to hard work, graft and, and get back in the team, hopefully. And then, unfortunately, I've had a, a niggling injury with my knee that's just been ongoing since I've done my ACL in 2017. And um, unfortunately, it was just like, listen, I've took a load now because you couldn't do it with your ankle for so long and it, it just flared up on me, unfortunately. But uh, I think there is days, like I said previously, there's days when 
you know, you're struggling and, and mentally it's probably tougher than physically. Um, it's, it's never easy when you're injured and anyone who's had a long-term injury or even an injury in general will tell you all you want to do is play football and, and to see the team go and training and, and go and play matches home and away. It's tough to not be involved in that. And um, the inner circle, you feel like you're on the outside of it. And um, yeah, it's it's tough, but I'm used to it. Um, and and I've got a good group of girls around me and my teammates and my family and friends and stuff like that. Naturally, it made it a little bit worse when COVID hit um, due to lockdown and things like that, because I just had surgery and then we went into lockdown. Um, so that process for me was you know, there's pros and cons to everything. And I was happy in one sense, even though you can't really say you're happy that there's a lockdown because unfortunately many people passed away and, and it was a sad occasion and it still is ongoing. But for me, it gave me that opportunity to knuckle down, work hard and, and use a time away from football to, to get myself back. That was talk. Uh, that was Manchester City's Megan Campbell there talking to Talk Sports Bradley Hayden about her injury problems. Obviously, not able to take part in Manchester City's second leg against Barcelona in the Women's Champions League. Just quickly, Ralph. Obviously, you've had your fair share of injuries. Um, so difficult mentally to come back from from something like that. But she sounds pretty strong. Yeah, and you know what? She she's been through it, hasn't she? Um, and fair play to her. It sounds like you've got a positive mental attitude towards it, and it's the only stance you can take, really. But one thing she did say that 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 kind of hit nerve with me was the feeling that you are somewhat of an outsider when you're injured. You are slightly ostracised because you can't, you just can't physically be in in the same spaces as the players on the pitch, and you do miss out on the inside of things. So it is quite a lonely place. But any any advice for anyone who kind of struggling with injuries is is just to keep setting short term goals, like Megan has, has touched on what she was doing. Um, and you'll see slow improvements. Yeah, for sure. Now, listen, I know that you have a football game kicking off at 7pm. Do not get injured, please. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> I look forward to seeing how it goes. I hope you win and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> Thanks, Faye. Love, Take care. Lovely stuff. Claire Rafferty there, a former Chelsea defender. Amy Rushke, I know your shoulder is hurting you from tennis. So, you know, be careful when you get back on the court soon. But great to have you with us again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Wonderful stuff. Next week, we're going to be joined by former Tottenham captain Jenna Scalacci. But a big thank you to Claire Rafferty, Amy Rushke, Claire Bloomfield, Megan Campbell, producer Flo, and to all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show, you can download the Women's Foot Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.